Well, we're in a series of messages uh, this month called Difference Maker. And I want us to see that all of us, individually, but together as the people of God, that we are people who make a difference. And I actually ran across this uh, quote from Nelson Mandela this week. It says this, what counts in life is not the mere fact that we lived. It is what difference we have made in the lives of others that will determine the significance of the life we lead. It's what we get a chance to not only do, but also what a chance, the chance that we get to plant in the lives of others that will truly make a difference for the future. And Jesus is counting on you and me to be able to do the work that he's called us to do, to be that force for good and to be that force for helping people to understand who God is. So that's what Jesus is counting on us to do. And we've been called to leave a legacy and we talked about planting good seeds in the lives of others, not just for today, but for future generations. And not just for here, but also around the world. And how do we do that? Last week we talked about that. We have to be able to release what's in our hand. If we hold on to life so tightly, if we hold on to our stuff so tightly, if we hold on to our time so tightly, we aren't going to be able to receive what God has for us because it's only with open hands that we can receive more. So that's how we get a chance to do that, being able to give for God's work and God's ministry in and through this church. And we make a difference as we focus in on our mission to connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ, that everything we do is about helping people to receive and know the love of Christ and then to be able to grow and to live as Christ would have us to. So what I want to do today is sort of finish up this series by talking about the reason that we give. What is the reason that we give? And I think we become difference makers when we have a chance to have our hearts filled with gratitude. There's a connection between our hearts that are filled with gratitude and what it is that we get a chance to do around us. If you think about our culture, there are so many people that are so focused on entitlement. This is what I deserve. This is what I'm owed. This is what I should receive. And we become a difference maker when instead we respond to life with gratitude. It's not just what I deserve. It's about receiving the blessing of God so that I can give it back to others. Our giving is a way that we live our lives of gratitude as we give thanks back to God. And then we have the opportunity to give generously out of the overflow of what God has given to us. So let's pray as we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, would you open up this passage of scripture for us this morning? That your Holy Spirit, Lord, might plant it deep into our hearts. That our hearts, Lord, might be filled up. Filled up with your love and with your joy and with gratitude so that it overflows to others. Father, for the things that are on our mind, for, for the concerns on our hearts this morning, for the people that we love, that maybe are struggling today, we offer them to you in this moment and ask that you would minister to their situations as only you can do. And may we be focused, Lord, on what you've called us to do and to be. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. So in a, today's passage that we're going to look at from Luke today, Jesus is traveling. He's on a mission, a road trip, so to speak. He's moving between Samaria and Galilee on his way to Jerusalem. And we're going to pick this up in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. You'll see it there on the screen. 
It says this, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, there were ten men who had leprosy who met him. And they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So I want to stop right there and get us into the scene of what's happening here. Jesus is moving along. He's outside the city. And all of a sudden there comes ten lepers. And did you see what's happening right here? Social distancing in the Bible. Okay, we're not the first ones to come up with this. All right, seriously. It says they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice. They had, these men had leprosy. They couldn't rush to Jesus. They knew they were supposed to keep their distance and they had to live outside of the community. Now we can read through this story and get to the end super fast, but I want us to understand what was going through the minds of these folks, these individuals, because it makes the ending so much more powerful. Leprosy is hard for us to understand or grasp because we don't really uh, experience it too much in our world today. But we are familiar with a very contagious disease. We are familiar with having to quarantine for certain amounts of time and sort of be away from what our normal activities were. And the folks who had leprosy experienced that to the extreme. It was similar in the fact that it would start with a little tingle, maybe in the hand, and there would be a loss of feeling and maybe a sore that would happen. And the person would think, uh-oh, this is not good. And maybe they would try to hide it a little bit, but once that sore started, that was it. You were done. You, this pain would continue throughout your body. It would get worse and worse. And it was a, a dreadful disease that could take up to 30 years. And you just have things that start to fall off, maybe a little bit of your nose or your ear or part of your hand or your leg. It was terrible. But in amongst the physical disease was also the emotional uh, pain that they experienced because it was similar. Okay, as, as soon as this happened, as soon as this feeling was there, they had to be rushed out of the community. You couldn't even say goodbye. Not to your kids. Not to your grandkids. Couldn't even kiss your wife goodbye for fear that it would be transferred to that person. And you were banished out of the community to go live on the outskirts of town by yourself. And the family that you had would be gone, and the business that you had would be gone, and your uh, tradition or whatever, it was done. And you were to the outskirts of the city, not for 14 days, but for the rest of your life, perhaps. And then the lepers would sort of find each other and sort of be together because now you had to beg for your food from a distance. You couldn't get close to anybody, yelling in a loud voice, needing to warn others, and yet begging for their generosity. And they had to focus on the generosity of other people to survive. Now can you hear the desperation in their voices? When you understand where they're coming from, Jesus, please have pity on us, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
Where else could they turn? Where else could they go? The options were few. Their plea for mercy was about healing. Can you do something, Jesus, to help us? Um, Jesus, in his ministry, healing was a big part of it. We talked about that in the message last month. But Jesus wasn't going to just pass them by. He had compassion for them, just like he has compassion for us, whether we're going through difficult times or times where we need God's healing. He knows that, and he's present, and he understands that. But he gives them a rather unusual command. Look what it says in verse 14 there. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. He doesn't touch them. There's another episode where Jesus touches a leper. He doesn't do that here. He doesn't go to them. He doesn't say to them, you're cured, you're healed. No, he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. He asks them to take a step of faith. Because it was in those days you had to go to the priest in order to be cured. It was a priest who would examine you. We would do that from a doctor's standpoint today. But in that day, it was a priest who would examine your skin and be able to tell you if you had been healed or not. And so what he was doing is he was putting these men, their faith to the test because they had to act and they had to go as if they had already been cured. And so they had to decide. Was Jesus for real or not? Am I going to trust him or not? Am I going to look silly if I go and do what he tells me to do? And sometimes we think in our lives of faith, right, is what God is asking me to do, is that going to look silly? Is it going to look strange? Is it going to look different? But they had a choice to make. Are we going to trust him or not? And it's interesting because scripture seems to indicate that all ten of them made a choice to go out and to start to see the priests. And then we have this really interesting phrase in Scripture, the second half of that verse. It says this, As they went, they were cleansed. As they went, as they took a step of faith. In in other words, they had to obey before it would happen. They had to trust that they were going to go, even if they looked silly, and they were going to go to the priest and see what would happen. And all of a sudden, they began to notice that this hand, well, it felt whole again. And maybe they tripped on this crutch that they had to help them walk. And all of a sudden, these things were coming back and they were healed. And I would imagine they began to scream and yell and shout, are you kidding me? Is this happening to you, to me? You know, you can picture what's going on. Is this really true that this nightmare could possibly be over? And the real part of this story is how did they respond? Because it applies to your life and mine too. How is it that we respond when we go through different times of life? Through the good times or the painful times or the uncertain times or the times when it just feels like all of life is coming at us so very fast. How is it that we respond? And that's what I want us to see in a couple of points for our own lives today from this story. And the first one I want to start with is this. The story challenges us to be thankful even if you are in difficult circumstances. The story challenges us to be thankful even when we go through difficult circumstances. In order for this miracle to happen, the men had to start walking before their circumstances changed. They had to trust, they had to go even before their circumstances changed. 
on their way is when they began to see the miracle happen. They were cleansed. They were made whole. Their skin was repaired. Their ears and hands and noses restored. And verse 15 says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. One of them, a Samaritan, who was known as a second-class citizen in Jewish culture of that day, he turns on his heels and he races back to Jesus, praising him in a loud voice, and he falls at Jesus' feet and he thanks him profusely. And Mark Hilmer, he's a commentator, he writes this great quote. It says this, When God pays us a visit, we do not have to remind ourselves to pray. We do not have to encourage our souls to be thankful. Praise gushes. Isn't that a great term? I love that. When we get a chance to connect with God, when God begins to work in our hearts and lives, it is that praise that gushes up from our soul. It's like a waterfall that comes out of our hearts. When we can focus on gratitude and be reminded of all that God has done for us. Praise gushes out of us. And I talked last week when we were talking about the story about the widow and the fact that giving of our time and giving of our talents and giving of our resources for God's work can sometimes be a sacrifice. It's not always easy. Seems like we have a limited amount of time. We have a limited amount of resources and we have to use those in all the different things. Sometimes we can feel stretched. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. We have to choose to take time to serve. We have to choose to invest our talents and our financial resources to support the church and others. But I also want to suggest this morning that giving for God's work can also be rewarding and even fun. Giving for God's work can be very rewarding and even fun. It has to do with our attitude. If we think about our giving and we do it just because we feel like we have to or we do it because we feel guilty, giving is always going to be a drudgery. But if we think about the reason that we give is a way that we give thanks back to God for all that he has given to us, I think giving can take on a whole different meaning. If we think about giving as a way of saying thank you to God for all that he has given to us, And of course, it's always easier to be thankful when our our job and our finances and our health and our personal mantles and our family is going well. It's always easy to be thankful then, right? When somebody asks how you're doing, you're like, oh, I'm doing terrific and I got this going and this going and it's so exciting. It's great to be thankful then. But what about when it's more challenging? And when the simple answer to that question, how are you doing, Well, that simple answer turns into a lot more complex answer, if you're really honest. And sometimes when things aren't going so well or when we run into situations that we don't expect, it's more difficult to give thanks. It's more difficult to say, thank you, God, for this challenge. It's more difficult to give back to him because we really maybe don't feel like it. But I want us to contend this morning that even in those circumstances, even when it's really difficult, we can still give thanks to God for what he's given to us. 
The very fact of the gift of salvation is the most special and precious gift, and we can still be good stewards taking care of all that God has given to us. A Samaritan man with leprosy, he knew great sorrow. He knew great pain. He knew grief. He knew abandonment. He went through an incredibly difficult time, and we don't know how long he lived on the outskirts of town. But because he had been through all of that tough stuff, on the other side, he got to experience profound joy. And his joy responded, the way that he responded was through gratitude. He responded in thankfulness, which led to action. Instead of running off to the other side, he continued to give all that he had. He understood that his healing was a gift. It was something given to him. He wasn't an entitlement. He didn't demand it. He didn't earn it. He simply received it. You see, the opposite of gratitude is sort of this I deserve it attitude. And instead of gratitude, greed grabs where gratitude receives and greed devours and gratitude multiplies. He knew what it was like. He knew what it was like to be on the outside. And he received all the gratitude to be able to be on the inside now. So the story reminds us to be grateful even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And secondly this morning, it reminds us to let our gratitude lead to action. Let our gratitude lead to action. It was only one person who came back. Only one of that whole group of people who came back. One who caught himself in the midst of celebration and put his family on hold and put the priests on hold and came back to the source of his celebration. And that's what made him unique. His thankfulness led to action. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus, he kind of gives us a little insight here and that he expected all of them to come back and praise him to say thank you. Look at this in verse 17. The guy, one comes back and Jesus asks, we're not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said, rise and go for your faith has made you well. Only one returned to say thank you. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18 it says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And gratitude simply emerges when we understand all that Jesus has done for us. He gave his very life so that we would not be outcasts, that we would not be banished from heaven and holiness, and that we might have life eternal and abundant. Let your gratitude lead to action. Every year on uh, January 1st, I try to take on a new discipline or something new to remind me in the next year to do something. And it can kind of start out as a New Year's resolution, can it? And God put on my heart to work on this attitude of of gratitude. It was January 1st, COVID cases were high, the vaccines, we were just learning about them. I wasn't quite sure, honestly, how this year was going to go. And God tapped on my heart and said, I want you to focus on gratitude. Well, Lord, I don't really feel that grateful. He said, I don't care. Do it anyway. And so I made this commitment to do three handwritten thank you notes every week. 
And it seems kind of pie in the sky, doesn't it? But I picked a time and said every Thursday I'm going to do that. And I've been committed to that for four months now, every Thursday, taking about a half hour. And to be able to say, who is it that I can thank in my world around me? And do you know, it has been such a good discipline for me. That no matter what's going on in the week, no matter how I feel, to be able to take that half hour at the same time every Thursday and to think of people who I can thank. And it's really helped me. It's helped me to keep my spirit and my heart upbeat to praise God by celebrating the actions, big and small, of other people. And I'm reminded of this fact that gratitude, even when we have to work at it, that gratitude multiplies. It can keep your heart full. And so I want to throw that out there for all of us today. How can you practice gratitude? Not just once a year on Thanksgiving, but here in spring or whatever time of the year it is. How can you and I be faithful to practice gratitude no matter what it is that's going on around us? Because gratitude helps to keep our heart full rather than empty. What action maybe is Jesus asking from you? Is there a family member or a friend or a neighbor or even a stranger that you could offer help to? Is there some way that you could practice gratitude in your own heart, in your own life, so that it overflows to other people? We can do that in a lot of different ways, but one of the ways that we express our gratitude to God is through our giving. And that's what we're going to do as we sort of close out the service this morning. I'm going to invite you to come forward if you have uh, your uh, commitment card. That's great. Or if you have your offering and you'd like to bring them. There are some baskets here at the end of the table. And we also have um, communion available. And it's sort of a way for us to say thank you, to dedicate our commitments to God for the upcoming year and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to help me fulfill this commitment to ministry. And then you can pick up a bag of communion or if you're at home, you can be able to get those communion elements ready. And you can go back to your seat, just partake of those on your own as you get back to your seat. And as we kind of wrap all that up, I'll have a prayer of dedication and commitment. But let us think about that as our giving, as one way to express our gratitude, to, to give generously as an overflow of all that God has given to us. For he is the source of every good and gracious gift. Jesus gave his very life so that we might experience life forgiven and free. And so we remember that on the night that he was, he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks to the Father, and he said, take and eat. For this represents my body that was broken for you. And every time you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And so after the supper was over, he took the cup, and he gave thanks to the Father, and he said, take and drink. For this represents my blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And every time you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And so as we partake of these elements today, we remember God's good and gracious gift, giving of himself for you and for me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us, Lord, the body and blood of Christ, so that we too might be the body and blood of Christ for others. 
Oh, Lord Jesus, fill our hearts with gratitude. No matter what it is that was going on around us, that we might focus on being grateful and being thankful. Lord, we look forward to one day feasting together with all of those who have gone before us at your heavenly banquet. But until then, Lord, we ask that you give us strength and joy for the journey as we take it one day at a time. Thanks, Lord. All glory, honor, and yours is now and forever. Amen.